we need to think of everything as an opportunity. It's so easy to slip into complaining around the challenges, but we really have a lot of cool opportunities right now. Welcome back to the Faculty Factory Podcast. I'm Kim Skorupski here at Hopkins. And guess what? It's another reunion episode with Dr. Nancy Spector. Hi, Nancy. Hi there. (laughs) I feel like Oprah when I'm like, hello, Nancy. (laughs) Well, listen, friends, Dr. Nancy Spector is the Executive Director of Executive Leadership in Academic Medicine, ELAM. You've heard about ELAM. If you haven't, guess what? You're going to learn a lot. It's a fantastic program. And Nancy's going to give us an update about it. Dr. Nancy Spector is also the Senior Vice Dean of Faculty at Drexel University College of Medicine. Again, welcome back, Nancy. Thank you so much for being here. And thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be back with you again. Well, you know, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So friends, you're going to want to slide back to episode number 19 because we're saying Nice to be back. Welcome back because Dr. Spector did an, an episode April 16, 2019, when the world was a different kind of a world. She shared so much information about how ELAM began. Dr. Paige um, Morahan created ELAM. She gave us a little bit of the history of Drexel University, uh, mentioned our colleague and one of the giants in our field, Liz Travis. Dr. Spector talked about really important things, and I'm looking at my notes here, the culture of sponsorship. She talked about creating meaningful metrics, politics, and procedures. Yes, a lot of really timeless information. So you're going to want to go back and listen to that episode. It will be linked in Nancy's bio today. Wait till you hear about what we're going to talk about today. Nancy, you had had two important leadership transition roles since we last talked two and a half years ago. And so you're going to kind of lead us into that and then talk about some really cool things with ELAM and then something that's going to be a topic really important for all faculty members to hear. So why don't you just lead us off? (laughs) Thank you. You know, I can't even believe it's been so long since we've seen each other in person and and everybody in person and how the world has changed uh, in so many ways, as we all know. After we last spoke, A lot of the effort in my work was around continuing to grow ELAM, um, to continue to evolve the curriculum and to ensure that we would stay current uh, with everything that was happening in the world. And then the pandemic struck. And if you had said to me when we last spoke that I would have to put ELAM online 100%, I would have said there is no way we can do that. Absolutely not. So much of our experience in ELAM is around personal contact with networking, getting to know each other, doing group work, et cetera. So that was a really heavy lift. And we, um, I have to thank my team, have, have done it really, really well. And on that note, um, we have now uh, the largest class at ELAM that we've ever had. So we're in our 27th year at ELAM and we have 71 uh, members of that class. And we have over now 1,200 graduates of ELAM. We call them ELUMs. And they serve in leadership positions in almost 400 institutions across the country. And uh, 
remarkable successes. At the beginning of the pandemic, uh, we were really concerned along with the search committees and search firms that women were not putting their hat in the ring for high level positions. They were doing what women do well, which is take care of business at the front line with their families, whether with small children or elder care or other types of things, and really reluctant to uh, to submit their names for high-level positions. At the same time, interestingly, uh, the, the institutions, the medical schools were moving on. They, they wanted to fill those spots. And so we were really concerned. Um, but through a lot of uh, group support, I would say, and 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 through the activation of the network, very proudly we can say that last year, so 2021, 11 ELAMs were um, appointed as interim or deans in the country. And so currently 75% of the women deans are ELAMs. So we're very proud of that. And I would say the other issue to consider here is that despite that, Despite those successes, we still haven't like gone to critical mass of number of women in deans positions. So we haven't broken, you know, we're still hanging at 19% of all deans are women. And so we haven't broken that 33% mark and we, we have to get at least there very quickly. Um, so that has been a continual concern um, and something we're working on in the programming of ELAM as well as engaging uh, people across the country to think how can we support women on their pathway to leadership and how can they be successful. And um, for ELAM, uh, we also are starting a second program called Executive Leadership in Healthcare, ELH at ELAM. It will start in September. It is um, uh, for women who are interested in advancing on the healthcare system side into CMO, CEO, CFO positions. So ELAM traditionally has supported women on the academic side. We're interested in in developing opportunities for women to advance on the healthcare system side. So that's a new program. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is, I had no idea. That's huge. Wow, huge, huge, huge lift. Um, Thanks for giving us the update. I'm so amazed by this program, 27 years, 11, 11 women deemed you place. So you said that you activated the network and I think you're being so modest. I mean, Nancy, yes, we're not quite at the parity, but thanks to ELAM, you have moved the needle quite significantly. And so, I mean, I'm, I'm very, very confident in this strong tribe of, of women. So how did you exactly activate that network? And what do you think were a couple of things that was that allowed and primed the pump for those 11 women to step up and say, I want it, I can do it, I'm ready. How did how did you do that? How, what was the what were the activating factors? So I would say there were several. First, just sharing with the community the concern that you know we were not seeing women stepping up um, so letting people know um, we hosted a series of webinars for our elums and uh, talked a lot about job transitions and and new opportunities etc and then there are many people across the country in leadership positions or in search 
roles that really were just really being persistent with asking more than once, more than twice, more than three times. Will you, you know, uh, think about this role? Uh, and, and then I think the other thing um, that many of the elums I worked with or talked with or talked to about these ideas um, is um, ensuring they have resources or people have resources along the way, either professional coaching or being able to talk to other women who are in high level leadership positions to, you know, hear a little bit about, you know, what strategies they should use in the whole uh, process of looking at a new job um, and also how to um, sustain them when they get into the new job. So all of those types of things. Yeah, ELAM is also um, not only for dean's positions. Uh, we're interested in, in helping women uh, achieve uh, or, or to get uh, chair positions, um, all kinds of leadership positions. And also a new effort we have is women on boards uh, to help women get to board positions, because as we know, the power of our institutions are at our board level and the numbers are just as small of women on boards. So that's another area we've been emphasizing. Oh, so smart. And what a great strategy that you just described to us. It's, I heard, sounding the alarm, you know, sending mm-hmm. the communications out. Hey, wait a minute, every time out, we have a, you know, may have a problem here. So sounding the alarm, being persistent, asking, 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 making sure women know about the resources available to them coaching, networking, and then helping sustaining them in the position. A lot Mm -hmm. of what you just described to me uh, sounds like we can do this with faculty members as well, that that you Mm -hmm. communicate clearly where the gaps, where the needs are. And I like the being persistent that I'm I'm imagining part of that persistence of like, are you sure, Nancy? Are you sure, Nancy? We really think you'd be great. And and then exploring and being curious as to, well, why isn't Nancy applying for this? Nancy, can I have a quick call with you? Like, what's what's going on? And if you would have said something like, well, there's COVID and I've got kids and I've got my parents and and their health issues and their challenges. And I don't think I want that job because it sounds ridiculous, mm-hmm. or I know that person, I know that institution, it's nothing but trouble. And it sounds like, I don't, why would I want that my, at this point in my career? And, and those kind of doubts, or I don't feel like I'm prepared for it, and I don't have the time to learn about it. And so I think that when you then describe resources, and then mm-hmm. a program to sustain them, allows women to exhale and go, okay, I got a, I got people, I got a tribe. I'm not, I don't have to invent this position alone or these skills. There's a whole army behind me. So I think that's just so incredibly powerful um, in that strategy. Well done. Love it. Thank Thank you. And we, you know, continue on the journey. So anybody listening, if you have ideas, please let us know. And um, we've also been uh, with our alumni events, trying to open them up actually to the broader community. As if people are interested, reach out to me because we're trying to think about everybody on the pathway to leadership. And you know, you were mentioning faculty, Kim. I'm I'm very concerned about uh, women along the entire pathway, and in particular, mid-career women. Uh, there's it, things are so uh, challenging right now. They're vulnerable in many ways. My 
our colleagues who um, mentor many women who have intersectionality, so women of color, for instance, um, are leaving the field. Um, and if we are not supporting everybody on the pathway, we're never going to break those barriers, the, the 33% mark you know, for critical asset leadership, because we will not have enough people to um, take those jobs eventually. So uh, I'm very concerned about sustaining everybody at every level, but mid-career is another place I'm very concerned about. So can you talk to us more about this, um, Nancy? You you said something when we started first, you know, tapped into the Zoom call that really kind of stuck with me. You said, I perceive that faculty are tired in a different way. And mm-hmm. so can you tell us, you know, sh- share more about what you're seeing, what you're observing and what, you know, you've got this finger on a pulse of 1200 grads. What, what are you seeing and what, what is, you know, what are you worried about? Yes, um, I have noticed, we, many of us, not just me, but uh, colleagues across the country have noticed that uh, there's a phenomenon happening, uh, which I'm terming leadership burnout. Uh, it's, it's, we all went into our roles, most of us, because we look forward to having influence and making impact and driving change and growing programs and supporting people along the way. In the last two years, we've been in command and control leadership mode. Uh, You know, I'm sure (laughs) if I asked you what your day was like, you know, any day in the last year, you wake up every day thinking, I I would love to have a plan, but I'm just going to, you know, react to whatever situation is in front of me and try to manage through that. That is exhausting in this very prolonged period of time. So we've moved away from having the opportunity to balance command and control kinds of leadership with um, growing things and planning things and supporting people in a really positive way. So the things that bring us joy. So that, that worries me because, you know, we're taking away the things we love, not that we don't love to lead in crisis, but (laughs) it's tiring. You know, and I was thinking about uh, Tate Chenefeld's work where, you know, as he shares, if not doing 20% of your mission-based stuff every week, you're going to be more likely to burn out. And that's where I feel like we are at risk now with our leadership. And then we're seeing a couple of things where uh, very senior people, baby boomers are retiring early or retiring. uh, And which is a good thing in one way, in that it's offering transition, you know, succession planning, et cetera. On the other hand, people are just tired. So I'm concerned about that. And then if the leaders aren't doing well, they're not going to be able to support all the faculty again on the pipeline or all our, I'm sorry, pathway and all of our trainees. So that's something I'm very concerned about. Well, I can't help but think, you know, as you're describing this, I'm picturing this a sports analogy is I like football and when you watch football, they say, some people will say, you know, defense wins, you know, defense will win the game for you if you've got a good defense. And I'm a, I'll say this quietly, I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. I have to say that quietly because I live in Baltimore. But I'm a Steelers fan and our defense used to be really great, the, the steel curtain. But when you are in defense, you can't expect your defense to be on the field the whole entire game. Mm-hmm. And I feel like our faculty have been playing defense for two years. 
And yeah, defense can, you know, swat away and keep the uh, uh, the opposing offense from crashing the gates and storming the castle, but you can only hold that line so long. And I really feel like our faculty are like, as you said, Nancy, they're tired. They're beyond tired. They're tired in a different way that it just depleted them and fatigued them beyond just sitting on the bench and taking a sip of water. Okay, I'm going to go back out there. It's been nonstop defense. And so not only do we do we as leaders see the faculty completely depleted, but as you point out, like nobody really has talked about this. And I really haven't thought about it until you just mentioned it, leadership burnout, where when we are seeing that and ourselves are constantly swatting away and putting, running around fires, 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 like firefighters, it leaves no time for offense. It Mm -hmm. leaves little time for calm strategy, whiteboarding, thinking Mm -hmm. deeply, thinking long-term, you know, it's day, as you said, it's day by day. There's no time to sit and meditate and think about your career. And uh, so it's, it's terrifying. Well, what do we, what do we do about it? How how do we regain or will we ever be able to go back to the times of thoughtful, strategic, careful, slow thinking leadership? I think we have to. And I, I was talking the other day with a really close colleague and Elam who has a leadership role. Um, and she's, she and I got into a conversation about what do we need to do in our daily lives, weekly lives to build capacity back, you know, to what you, you described is the time to think the, the space and time to you know, slow down and, readjust and shift. And I think we have to do that actively. First of all, I think we have to acknowledge that it's a problem and that, you know, we're such a hardworking community, always committed and, you know, really, we have to acknowledge it. I think we have to think carefully about how to do basic things like schedule our days. You know, my friend and I, we were talking about um, her dean um, the other day said, you know, meetings should start at 10 after and end at 10 of. Why are we, you know, doing this back-to-back thing? Yeah. And then as we're moving back to the in-person world, I I wonder if you're having this problem, I'm having this problem. I'm being invited to in-person things, but expected still to be on Zoom every yeah. second in between. Exactly. <laughs> exactly right, Nancy. I just got an invite yesterday going, hey, I'm going to be in the hospital next week. Can we get together for lunch? And I thought, oh, I was so excited immediately. But then I said, well, wait a minute. Yeah, I'm on Zoom mode of every hour on the hour I'm Zooming. So if I do get in my car and drive to a place and meet a human being and eat dinner, eat lunch, I can't make it back in time. I'll be zooming to my car. And then that gives me a whole new level of stress. So, you know, you're right when we, to say and to suggest, let's not just go on autopilot. Let's not just, or let's, let's consciously take a moment. Hopefully this, you know, as the year's moving on and we are thinking in the fall and summer going right back, let's kind of put a pause. Let's put a hang on a second and rethink the schedules, the hour, the way we do things, how we do things and why must we, and why do we have to zoom all the time anyway? You know, back in the old, I was reading something said in the olden days, you, 
sometimes you, you wouldn't wouldn't be weird because Zoom is so convenient. People think that just Zoom about everything. Like we don't need to be Zoom. We don't need to be meeting. Can we pick up the phone? Can you just email this to me? Why do we feel compelled to Zoom twenty four seven? It's like the whole Zoom fatigue. You know, as you know, is a thing. It's a thing, and and I think we as leaders have to model it for others. It's just it's sort of like in the old day we old days olden days (laughs) as you described. We used to like like think about when we were sending our emails out, like in the middle of the night. And now we have the mechanism to like get it delayed. But we also yeah, because we don't want to have the expectation of people we work with that they respond to us in the middle of the night. And if we don't model it for others, um, it's not going to change the culture. So we, ha- I think we have to change the culture. I think we have to pay attention to those things. And it's more than, you know, all the self-care we've talked about. I mean, I know that's important, but this is an and, you know, we, we have to change our work styles. Mm-hmm. To grow capacity, again, with the idea of growing capacity, um, we have to think more. As you said, think more deeply. We have to if we're going to get back to the, I read something. Oh, gosh, I wish I could quote the article this week that um, metrics with patient safety have really suffered in the last year because we're you know, we're operating in that command and control and we're just like getting away from our routines that are making us do the right thing and the core be thought. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I'm thinking now you put me in the headspace of telehealth and how mm-hmm. that took off during COVID and mm-hmm. how yesterday at I was at a meeting, because I'm not a clinician, I don't think that way, but and I, I knew, of course, the rate of telehealth and it was successful and a lot of you know, practitioners enjoying this and the patients enjoy this, but put aside all the you know, increased emails from patients and now having to mm-hmm. physicians having to re- reply to emails about patients, the added um, policy, policy barrier of you can't be certified cross state. And as if we're all doing telehealth and, you know, remote visits, why can't we just be, you know, release or relax that requirement, legal requirement about a a physician being boarded or certified, whatever, in different states to then open up the Zoom telecapacity. But no, now we're back to no, you have to be in your own state, which doesn't even make sense. So I think when you talk about, you know, thinking deeply and changing things, we've learned some things. So let's kind of Mm-hmm. In the joy of medicine parlance, you know, get rid of stupid stuff. Gross, you know, get rid of the gross stuff. But get rid of stupid <laughs> stuff. That's stupid. Now we know that stuff is stupid. Let's fix it. <laughs> fix it. Yeah, but I'm, you know, I'm very optimistic. I, me too. I I did though start 2022 thinking this is it. The year is going to be awesome, and then <laughs> there are a bunch of things that happened in my life that I was like, oh my gosh, is it going to be better? Um, and then oh, we, we had to move. Um, we had Elam in the fall in person, really awesome, wonderful to be together. We were so optimistic that our January session would be in perfect, uh, be in person, but of course it wasn't. Um, and, you know, just th- that kind of takes you down a notch or two, right. but now I really feel energized by what's coming and how we're handling things and moving in the right direction and that we will have time to 
build thinking time, build capacity for ourselves to go back to the, the deep thinking and planning. Well, We've got to- I share your optimism. I, I share that hopefulness that we have the best, brightest minds yes. in history, right in academic medicine. And we were so nimble and our faculty were so dedicated and passionate, of course, but just smart and clever and could pivot and recalibrate it. And they did it. We did it. Of course, we all did it. I mean, not even yeah. academic medicine. I don't need to be so obnoxious about it. Of course, people in our restaurant industry and, you know, mm-hmm. um, schools and, and, and primary, secondary, we figured it out. We figured it out. So we can figure this out if we are thoughtful and measured. And as you say, get away from the kind of command and control model, mm-hmm. breathe and uh, purposely shift away from that hundred miles an hour. You know, this is the time as we're rethinking, um, reinventing, let's take this moment. It's like, I imagine it'd be like when this may be stupid, but I've had friends who like their business, their, their restaurant burned down and, rather than like throw up another one real quick and rebuild. And, you know, they took that moment. Oh my gosh, it's a swirl. Let's we're in a space now. Let's take a minute. Uh, How, how should we rebuild? Let's not, we don't necessarily have to put the bar here and the entranceway here and the tables there. Let's use this opportunity. So the same way I'm thinking with all of us at the micro personal Mm -hmm. level, departmental level and up and up and up and up to the macro level, we we don't have to do it that way, right? We're not gonna we don't have to blow up traditions and things that are important, but we can also um let's take a pause here and make it better. Let's like the rest of our restaurant friends. We don't have to get disband with the carryout. You know, you guys nailed it with the carryout. You you our restaurants here in, in downtown Baltimore, they figured it out. They really grew a whole new business, if you will, around you know, being yes. creative. And we can, we do that. We do that better than anybody. So I think, you know, you're yeah. right. Consciously thinking about let's use these, these next moments or as the year evolves to tweak and improve, just like you're building a whole new Elam, you know, for mm-hmm. the system side, that's a perfect yeah. way to capitalize on need. We need to think of everything as an opportunity. It's so easy to slip into complaining around the challenges, but we really have a lot of cool opportunities right now. And as our, our energy is coming back up with, you know, knock, I have to knock on wood. <laughs> Here, I'm, 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 We're going to keep going in that direction. Like we, yeah. we need to work together to be creative. And that's the fun of our space and, and, you know, providing excellent care and, and then doing all these amazing things that are going to transform how health is in the country. Let's do that. I'm with, I'm with you. I cannot wait to. And, and as I'm like entering my late career stages, I'm so inspired by our early career faculty and, and our these geniuses who are coming up the ranks and just to see them think and watch them and question why we do. I love that. I love that kind of push and pull to innovate and to, to do things different and better. And so I, I, Nancy, I share, I share your, um, your hopefulness and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing um, all the cool, great things that are happening in our community and with, with your new program called again, what is it? E L A H. 
ELH, Executive Leadership and Healthcare at ELAM. I know that's a mouthful there. <laughs> it doesn't sound as easy to say as ELAM. Oh, oh ELH at ELAM. Yes. And um, yeah, we're in the um, selection process right now of the two classes. So I'm really excited and happy oh. to journey with these women. Incredible. I know, isn't that there's nothing more inspiring to be and just sit there and look, gaze around a room and say, look at these minds, look at the the, the gifts and the talents and the gems just sparkling in a room. Just ugh, makes you excited, right? Absolutely. Well, Dr. Nancy Spector, you are fantastic. And if you listening to this podcast want to learn more about ELAM or ELH, you certainly all you have to do is Google it. It's famous. Elam is famous. More than 1,200 graduates. Check it out. And email Nancy Spector at nds24 at drexel.edu. Again, nds24 at drexel.edu. It's going to be on the website, thefacultyfactory.org. Check out Dr. Spector's episode number 19, Back in the Day. You're going to learn a lot. Thank you so much again, Nancy. It was great to see you. Congrats on all your success. You're a great leader and we really appreciate all you give to the women and the community and men. We need people like you. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Thanks for tuning in to Faculty Factory Podcast. The mission of the Faculty Factory is to build and support a community of leaders in faculty development who share tools, resources, wisdom, and encouragement in service to our faculty members, schools, and institutions. We encourage you to go to facultyfactory.org to find out more, get in touch with me, ask me any questions. Maybe you want to be interviewed on the podcast. Thanks for tuning in to Faculty Factory Podcast. We'll see you next time. The Faculty Factory Podcast and website is sponsored by the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine Office of Faculty. For more information, visit facultyfactory.org.